Get to the church, blind! Get to the church, blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for hardcore church planning, which I can never say the way I want to say it, because all I can hear is Arnold Schwarzenegger going, hardcore church planting. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, this is our, our midweek podcast, and Peyton, why don't you introduce our guest today? So our guest today has no idea what he's in for. He has no idea where he's landed. His name is Micah Fries, and he is the vice president of Lifeway Research. Micah, welcome onto the show. Hey, guys. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. We have wanted to have someone from Lifeway Research on here for a long time because of the incredible resource that you guys are to church planters. So uh, we're going to jump straight in, and Pete's going to pop a question to you. Not that question, so don't get excited, but he's going <laughs> to pop a question. He's got to get down on one knee if he's going to start there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Micah, one of the things we always like to start out with is uh, to give our listeners kind of a little bit of background on yourself. Uh, if you can let us know, tell us a little bit of your story of how you came to faith. That would be fantastic. Yeah, so Pete, I um, you know I grew up in a family that loved Jesus and um, taught me to love Jesus, love the church, and love mission. And uh, my my dad was um, was not a believer, didn't grow up uh, hearing the gospel, came to faith actually in premarital counseling with my mom. And so when I came along a few years later, he was a fairly new believer at the time. My mom had grown up in church, but actually became a believer when I was a teenager. And so she knew a lot about faith, but it was still, it was kind of, it was, it was strong, ardent, fervent faith that I grew up in, but not always the most mature faith. And, and uh, so, but that was the home I was raised in, a family that loved church and we were there all the time. And my dad was in the Air Force, so we moved a lot. And uh, my very first memories of life period are singing in a little children's choir in the Philippines at a church that we were members of in the Philippines. And, uh, so I grew up loving the globe, loving what God was doing in church planning around the world. And, uh, you know, like a lot of kids who grew up in church, my friends were coming to Christ. And so about six years old, I did what everybody did. I kind of made a profession of faith and was baptized. And um, But the, the truth of the matter is that I, I hadn't believed the gospel. I certainly hadn't surrendered my life to Christ. There's no bowing of the knee to King Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, you know, for the next six or seven years, you know, I did what good church kids did. I tried to play the part. I, I even shared my faith. People professed faith in Christ, but the truth was I, I wasn't a believer. And so after a lot of years, I, I grappled with that and my pride kept me from responding to Christ. And um, finally, after about a year of really grappling with what it meant to genuinely believe the gospel and uh, surrender your life, I remember we were living in Newport News, Virginia at the time. And my grandparents lived across the water. If you're familiar with the Hampton Roads area, my grandparents lived across the water in Virginia Beach. And so we've been at their house driving back across that long bridge tunnel uh, there in Hampton Roads. And I remember asking my dad, how do you know that you're a genuine believer? And uh, he kind of, he looked at me and he said, we'll talk about it when we get home. So <laughs> we got home, went up to my room and my dad just sort of carefully, lovingly walked me through the gospel. 
Uh, I was just about to be a teenager and uh, kind of knelt down right there with him and, and surrendered my life to Christ, became a follower of Christ. About a year after that, was at a youth camp, a centrifuge youth camp, which is a Lifeway youth camp. Uh, now that I work for Lifeway, that's kind of affirming to me. And I really just heard the Lord's voice that I was called into ministry. And so kind of decided then that that was when I was going to start training for ministry. And really, so that's the trajectory of my life from the time I was about 14 was I was going to serve in ministry with the local church somehow and uh, try and advance the gospel. You know, um, I, I think that's a, a really cool story. And, and, and the stuff that you do now is really interesting. And, and before we actually got on the call, you kind of shared with us a little bit about your church planning background. Tell us a yeah. little bit about that and how you got into church planning and uh, yeah. just, you know, maybe even the broad strokes of what you've done in the world of church planning um, from your firsthand experience. Yeah, so I love I love church planting. And I'm kind of an interesting dichotomy, particularly on the team that I work on. You know, I work here at Lifeway Research. I work for Ed Stetzer who's kind of the Yoda, the guru of church planting. He's the godfather. Uh, he's the godfather. Don't tell him that. We'll try and grow that goatee back out again. Did you guys see that goatee when yes. it's like 18 inches long? Is it gone? He's, well, it's cut about half off. He's got about half of it cut down. So. Well, he only has half of his church planting powers now. It's like Samson. We know what that was. I've been trying to get him to cut that thing. For, I told him he looked like he swallowed a squirrel. The tail was just sort of scraggly hanging out. Of his mouth. But, uh, <laughs> thank you, Micah. Thank you. Thank you for asking him to do that. <laughs> so, but I'm an anomaly in a sense that all of my North American experience is in old churches, like really old churches, 130, 150 year old churches. We were church planning sponsors, but, but my actual church planning experience came when I uh, was newly married. My wife and I um, had been married for a year. And the Lord called us as soon as I graduated college, we were heading towards seminary and uh, just the Lord kind of rearranged our priorities and called us to go to Africa. And so that's what we did. We, we packed up and we moved to the bush of West Africa in Burkina Faso, which very few people know where it's at. It's, it's kind of in the heart of West Africa. It runs across the northern border of Ghana and the Ivory Coast, Mali and Niger, and even a little bit of Nigeria, Togo, Benin, they all surround it. And uh, it's landlocked. It's about 10 million people, a country about the size of Colorado. Uh, they're in West Africa. About two-thirds of the country is Sahara Desert. It's predominantly a Muslim country, and it's extraordinarily poor. I tell people West Africa, I love West Africa, but West Africa is the armpit of the world. Mm. Uh, you've got like three, depends on the calculations, three to four of the five poorest countries in the world are all located in West Africa. Right. Poverty is extraordinary. Uh, AIDS, uh, depending on where you're at in West Africa, the southern part of West Africa, which sub-Saharan West Africa, AIDS is really devastating. HIV and AIDS has been devastating in that area. So that's where we worked. We worked down on the border of Ghana and Burkina Faso. We were an uh, hour and a half past paved roads, uh, an hour and a half past electricity. Um, you know, we, I mean, we lived in a, a nice home, but we had, we had a little a uh, water tank on top of the house that would allow enough water for us to flush a toilet, but no running water. You couldn't wash your hands. You had to filter, uh, filter, bleach, and boil your water just to drink it. It would take us hours and hours just to get enough water to drink a glass of water. I mean, it was... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was a pretty intense experience, and, and physically, it was a demanding experience. I was sick much of the time we were there. I came close to dying one time from malaria wow. and dealt with just a number of other issues. And so, I mean, it was... 
these were an unreached people. And we used to joke and say they're unreached because in a sense, they're unreachable. I mean, it, it was just a long way out. I mean, it, our village was about 6,000 people in the, in the southern, just south of the, de- the desert. And uh, we would get rain about three months out of the year. And the rest of the time, it was just hot, dry, and poor. Wow. And so what we did is we traveled in uh, about nine surrounding villages around the village that we lived in and tried to plant indigenous churches. Uh, you know, thinking about the three-self church, the indigenous reproducible, uh, self-sufficient church, uh, autonomous ch- congregations. That was what we were trying to do. We worked with a people group known as the Dagara or the Dagari people who spoke a tribal language uh, called Dagara. We learned to speak that and we taught in that language. And uh, it was really a cool experience because when we would go and teach the gospel, we would teach it to people who had never heard the gospel before. And mm-hmm. so it's it's a lot different than U.S. church planning particularly in heavily churched areas where there's sort of quasi-gospel influence and quasi-church influence. I mean, I remember my college pastor came over on a mission trip, and he was in some of our villages that we had been working in. And he would ask in each village, he'd say, hey, how long have you known about Jesus? And the response was, well, we've, we've known about him ever since Micah and Tracy came and told us about him. Mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, I thought, man, that's, that's, to me, it was one of those powerful experiences to be able to go and 2,000 years after Jesus has lived, died, buried, and then, of course, risen from the grave and ascended to heaven, we're now able to go and introduce the people to him for the very first time. And so we were working in each of these nine villages. Uh, they're oral learners. They're, they weren't, um, they didn't, you know, have a written alphabet that they would, most of them couldn't, couldn't read. They were illiterate. And so we used chronological Bible storying, where we would teach through the, the scripture. And uh, their, their capacity for memorization was phenomenal. Uh, oral cultures generally have a really high capacity for memorization. And so yeah, so that's what we would do. We would just introduce the Bible to them slowly, week after week after week. And we had nine villages that we would visit six different days of the week. Interesting, as a church planner, Sunday was the one day we didn't work <laughs> because it was market day. And so nobody would come to a church meeting on a Sunday. Everybody was at the market that day. And so we would work doing church planning Monday through Saturday. We'd be in one to two villages every day during the week. And uh, we would take a few months to slowly work through Scripture until we got to the gospel and then share the gospel. And I'm telling you, one of the coolest things you've ever seen in your life is we would talk about what it means to follow Christ and to confess him and to repent and to, you know, to do that, we would draw a visual by by taking our toe and drawing a line in the sand. And we would talk about crossing over from darkness mm-hmm. and light, abandoning sin and embracing Jesus. And we would watch sometimes as entire villages would cross, they would literally physically get up and walk across that line in the sand to say, hey, we're with Christ. Wow. And, uh, our churches didn't look much like U.S. churches. I mean, they were on homemade wooden benches under a mango tree. Two-thirds of the people there weren't, according to American standards, weren't even clothed. You know, I mean, it, I mean, you're talking about, you're just dealing with issues that we didn't deal with in U.S. church planting. I mean, I remember the team we, we, we worked on. We have some of that three. in Long Beach. Just Yeah, inner city well. Long Beach, yeah. Bring back <laughs> naked Sundays, baby. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's about what it was like. I mean, I, you know, we would, I still remember I had this buddy who was a college student and he was living with us for six months doing ministry with us. And we would go out to the village and we would set our benches up and we'd start playing a djembe. And that would be the, you know, the clue to everybody to come on out to the gathering place. And they would gather and they would line up and they would all come and shake our hands. And that would be how we would begin the meeting. And of course, I mean, it's a poor, uh, poor area. People just can't mm-hmm. afford clothes. And most of the women would be you know, topless and the men would have very little clothes on. And I looked over and I'm shaking everybody's hand and he's got his head buried in his arm 
And he said, Michael, don't tell my mom, don't tell my mom. And I just try to shake all these half naked people's hands as they walked by it. <laughs> Poor guy at 18 years old is embarrassed because it's just a different, I mean, it's a different contextual environment than what we're accustomed to. Yeah. So I remember that one of the very first believers that our team dealt with, this really, really amazing guy, loved Jesus, came to Christ, came when he came to Christ, he abandoned all of his fetishes and idols. They would literally pile up their wooden idols in the middle of the village and light them on fire. It was almost like their baptism in a sense, because they would light them on fire as a testimony to the village that we're walking with Christ now. We don't need this. But he was a polygamist. And he came up to us and he said, how do I do this? I want to leave the church, but I have multiple wives. And how do I faithfully, you know, what do I do? Can I be a leader in the church? And so we handed him a Bible and said, you tell us, you go read what Paul said you know, to his sons in the faith about what it looks like, to, what are the qualifications of a leader. And we didn't want to, we didn't want to just dictate to him. We wanted him to search the scriptures himself and find it. And he came to us and he said, you know what? The Bible says I got to be a husband and one wife if I want to be a pastor and an elder. So I'm going to lead from the back. And so he never had a title, but he was probably always the most influential leader in the church, trying to balance fidelity to scripture and yet caring for these ladies that were in his care. And anyway, it was exciting, man. It was, it was just a different world, a different environment that we got to do church planning in. Heck yeah. That's amazing, man. Do you miss it? I do. Yeah, I really do. I, I've said many, many times that if I felt like any sense of permission from the Lord that I would pack up and go, my wife is terrified. I go overseas a few times every year. <laughs> She's always worried that I'm going to come back and say, all right, time to pack our bags. We're going. I work a lot now in the Muslim world. And uh, in fact, a lot of places where ISIS is, is embedded now, I've been spending a lot of time in the past few years, and every time I go, she's terrified. We're about to pack up and move over to, the, to that yeah. of the world. And But I, I do. I miss it. I love working there. I, in, in many ways, I feel like it's a lot easier to work in those areas of the world than it is in the U.S. Church Absolutely. It's a tough game, man. Yeah. It is a really difficult role. You know, quasi-spirituality is such a vaccination against the gospel. Yeah. And uh, we struggle with that here. Yeah. You know, I was I was in Europe for about 12 years and there's yeah. not a day that goes by that I don't absolutely wish that I still live there and miss it terribly and uh, still want to be on mission there. And yeah. uh, the reality is that, uh, you know, really bottom line, I think that, you know, we, we call this show hardcore church planning. And, you know, you, my friend, are a hardcore church planner for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I. I actually believe that every church planter ought to go and team up with someone doing international church planning so that their perspective changes. You know, we, we talk a lot about church planting versus church starts on, we, right. we have two shows. This is hardcore church planning. Our other one is a church planter podcast. And we say that, look, church planting is reaching unreached people, you know, right. and, and there's various degrees of unreached, but we have them in America to a certain degree. Places where, like Burkina Faso, where uh, planners don't tend to go, you know, because our church planners tend to go where the money is, not where the need is. Yeah, you know, exactly. hey, where can I get a big church? Where can I get upwardly mobile families? Where can I, you know, have the big boom and, and be the next uh, celebrity pastor? And when, I mean, you do, it's kind of like Jesus said, flesh and blood does not reveal these things to you. You don't wake up and say, I want to go to a, a country where, an ISIS compound is. Um, I don't want to, you know, I want to, I want to go uh, an hour and a half away from electricity and running water. Um, that is a real call. Um, what would your call to church plan? Then, then we want to shift over to uh, what Lifeway Research does, but, uh, but what would describe your call to church planning? 
You know, this is funny, man. I'll tell you. So when we went overseas, we actually did not go to plant churches. That was not our plan. We actually had answered mm-hmm. uh, a request for someone to come over and do discipleship training and leadership development. That was what I was supposed to be doing. So we get over there and we get planted in the village and we realize there's no Christians to disciple and there are no leaders to develop. <laughs> and so for us, church planting became the practical outworking of the environment where we were in. I mean, we're in an environment where there are no churches, there are no believers. So we're going to pour ourselves into planting churches. It was a necessity. And it became just a passion that we sort of were committed to. And so even coming back to the U.S., uh, I mean, that's been one of the defining, I, I hope, one of the defining characteristics of our ministry is engaging in and supporting church planning, being a part of church planning. And uh, and a lot of it just came from, you know, just need. I mean, just looking around and going, man, somebody's got to help reach these people and start seeing some churches established. And so, I mean, it certainly wasn't sexy. It wasn't fun, uh, but it just was needed. Yeah. Well, tell, tell us a little bit about um, what LifeWay Research is. I mean, you guys are massive. LifeWay as an organization is, is bigger than I, than I ever realized. And um, t- tell, us, tell us a little bit about who you guys are. So LifeWay, on the whole, we use the phrase LifeWay or the term LifeWay, but it's, it's LifeWay Christian Resources is the full name. We're a resource, resource organization helping resource the church, right? That's, that's what we want to do. That's what we want to be. We want to be able to come alongside churches. We care deeply about churches and want to be able to help assist churches as they fulfill the Great Commission. And um, I love working with them. In fact, we like to say that our, our vision, our reason for existence is biblical so- solutions for life. That's what we do. And so that takes on a ton of different forms. Uh, we're located, our headquarters are located here in downtown Nashville. Uh, we've got, you know, 12 or 1300 employees uh, in our offices here in downtown Nashville. Uh, but there's a number of ways in which you could have interacted with LifeWay and may you may have known it or you may not have known it. For instance, Probably our most public face is LifeWay Christian Stores, right? We've got like 180 stores around the country and uh, probably a store not horribly far from you. It's a retail arm that sells everything from books to uh, Bibles to academic resources to, you know, music and and, the, and so on. There's so many things that we do. So we've got uh, LifeWay Christian Stores. A lot of people don't realize we're one of the, in fact, we're the largest Christian camp ministry in the country, probably in the world, to be honest with you. Uh, last time I checked, we will have something like 140,000 students in camp this summer hmm. through Centrifuge, Missionfuge, Centra Kid, which is kind of our kids camp. A few years ago, we purchased Student Life uh, out of Birmingham, Alabama. And so all of their camps, that's part of the LifeWay family. And then we also have a conference center in Ridgecrest, North Carolina, right in the mountains, the Blue Ridge Mountains. And so that's part of that. So we've got our camps. Uh, we've got our stores. Of course, we do our, you know, our resources division helps provide resources for churches. So everything from small group curriculum to Sunday school curriculum. If you've ever used Bible studies for life, which is, I mean, it's by volume, it's the largest Sunday school small group resource in the world today. It's used by millions of people every week. So Bible studies for life, explore the Bible and then the gospel project, which is only about four years old now, extremely well known. Those are our three main curriculum lines. But all told, you're talking about millions and millions of people using them every week. Uh, the Gospel Project is our newest one. And, uh, of course, Ed, who I work for, Ed Stetzer, is the general editor over that. 
our goal, and it looks like we'll be there by the end of this year. We'll have a million users every week of the Gospel Project, hmm. which is really astonishing for a curriculum that's only four years old. And so we do curriculum, we do small group studies. Um, a lot of times as people write books, we provide the supplementary six, eight, 12, 14 week studies to go along with that. David Platt's brand new book, um, you know, we, we provided the Bible study for that. Derwin Gray's new book on high definition leader, we're providing the study for that. So, you know, there's those options. You may have been affiliated with us through those. We do um, B&H Publishing is our trade book publishing arm. Uh, we publish all sorts of books. Tom Rayner is our CEO. You've, there's a really good chance you've read I'm a Church Member before, which is one of his books. He's published, I don't know, probably 30 books, maybe more than that. Uh, but we publish those books. Uh, we've published uh, the new one that we're really excited about. We've got under contract. He's working on it right now. We're going to be publishing Lecrae's first book. Hmm. Oh, cool. Uh, very soon. Yeah, that one. So be watching for that one. That's a pretty exciting development for us. And so B&H does that. We also have B&H Academic, which provides a ton of the textbooks that colleges and seminaries use. And then, you know, we've got Lifeway Research, which I work with directly. Ed Stetzer oversees Lifeway Research. We're probably one of the top two or three largest Christian evangelical research firms out there. We research I, I trends, think, movements in the church. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that Lifeway Research amongst church planners is very relevant. I, yeah. I don't know that you guys are the biggest. I'm not aware of who the biggest is. But what I can say is you're definitely, in my mind, the most prominent yeah. And and I would say the most relevant to church planning. Well, and I'm, I'm yeah. so grateful that you guys actually exist. The amount of studies and things that you guys have done. There was one uh, years ago that came out, um, the top 10 struggles that church planners face. I'm pretty sure the Exponential did a whole conference yes. uh, kind of revolving around that. Um, it's It's just been stuff that's almost been like a lifeline to church mm -hmm. planners. Yeah. Um, what what are some of the things that you guys feel that you're really helping church planners do? Well, there's, I mean, there's a whole host of ways we're doing that. You know, one, just in general, helping church planners understand culturally uh, the temperature of the U.S., just the U.S. context, uh, North American context. And of course, now we're outside of the, the U.S. and North America. Uh, we're doing research, significant research in Brazil and Australia, the U.K., uh, we're looking at a couple of other places right now where we're, we're about to break in and do some research internationally. So we're doing significant church planting focused research globally. Um, and so, you know, issues like what's the American populace perspective on LGBT issues? How does the American populace view immigration and the church's role in immigration? Uh, those are two of the ones that we've done just recently. What about how does the average American Christian view America in, in the eyes of God? Do they view America as a favored nation in God's eyes and in its relationship to Israel? That was a really interesting research study we dropped about a month ago. And so we're trying to help church planners understand the context that they're in. Think about in Scripture, we often refer to Acts chapter 17, the Bereans, you know, and we, we affirm the Bereans because they didn't just hear the preaching of the word. They went back and they studied the word. Every day, the Bible says, they studied the word to prove what they had been taught was right. Well, we want to raise up Bereans, yes, but there's also an obscure group mentioned called the Issacharites, the, the men of Issachar. Mm. And there's this passage that says the men of Issachar knew the times thereof, and it says that they devised strategies or plans based on understanding the times, right? Mm. And so we want at Lifeway, we want to help people be Bereans, understanding God's word, examining it for themselves, and also it, men and women of Issachar. 
who understand the times and know how they should respond in light of the times and the culture. And so LifeWay Research is doing that. Now, I'll tell you a specific thing we're doing right now that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, seven years ago, we did the largest research project ever done on the state of uh, North American church planting. And uh, was significant, helped really shape who and what we were as church planters. Well, we're, we're doing the new version of that right now. It'll drop this fall. Uh, we'll, re- we'll actually be releasing significant elements of that at Exponential West in SoCal in October. It'll be main staging uh, Exponential West. And, uh, and, so, and then there'll be more coming out after that. And so that'll be a massive single piece of research that'll help shape how church planters and organizations that do church planting, how they set their trajectory to effectively plant churches in the next few years. And we're actually working on similar research in multiple of the countries that I just mentioned a second ago. So we help church planters by providing that kind of research. But another thing that we do that I'm fairly excited about is we do this um, practically, we come alongside church planters and we provide some pretty impressive resources and when I say it no with no strings attached, I mean that genuinely, no strings attached, right? Mm-hmm. So we we have this new church offer that we call it for, for people who are in a, in a new church plant. And we give them, for instance, six months of curriculum for all age groups in the church. We just give it away. We give them free website design and a year of website hosting. We give it away. Wow. Uh, we give them one year of access to ministrygrid.com, which is our leadership development tool, really incredible incredible training platform. Uh, We give them a theological library from WordSearch, which is our digital um, software, library software. There's 185 free tools that's in there that we give them. We give them LifeWay e-giving, which is a really easy way for their people to give through either online or texting uh, through their app or however they want to do that. We provide that to them. Wait, wait, Mike, I have to stop you. Yeah, G I V E, which is a <laughs> it's a joke because one of our sponsors is MoGive, and so we sing out their jingle. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Sorry, I had to give you a little commercial there. And but I mean, we do that. We give them the digital giving option. We give them envelopes if they want offering envelopes. We give them six hundred of those for free. Plus, on top of all that, we give them five hundred dollars to spend any way they want with Lifeways free with Lifeways printed resources. So books and studies and all that stuff. They just get 500 bucks to spend. Literally, the only thing they have to give us is their name and a little bit of information about their church. Peyton that- Jones. Peyton Jones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Refuge Long Beach. In yeah. Long Beach. So, <laughs> let me just kind of give you the, the domain, the URL to get that. So anybody who's listening is a church planner, they can go grab it. It's just at newchurches.com forward slash offer. New, newchurches.com forward slash offer. And uh, they, they just have to fill out a little deal there, give us some information about themselves, and they'll get all that stuff for free. And that's actually connected to what I'm most excited about that we're doing that would really serve church planters. Newchurches.com has been around for a long time. It's been one of Ed Stetzer's primary resources. He's used it for a long time. But it, uh, we've actually taken all the resources down off of it, and we're launching uh, in October newchurches.com, which will be one site where you can get everything from community to coaching to resources for your church plant, leadership training, you name it, all located in one place uh, where church planters can come and be resourced. Lifeway has always resourced the church. We've tried to do stuff for church planters, but we've not done a, a great job sometimes, some years in the past, at really specifically resourcing church planters. 
Ed Stetzer works for us. And he said, guys, we're going to make this one of the best things we do. And so all the weight of Lifeway is behind this. And we're pretty pumped about being able to drop this new churches.com here this fall. And I think it's going to be a huge resource for church planners. Mm. Wow. That is really and cool. I would encourage them to go just to newchurches.com right now. They can put their email address in and we'll notify them as soon as it goes live. Plus give them access to some free goodies, you know, as well. Wow, guys. Well, you heard it here, man. 500 bucks, a Sweet. huge library. I'm just telling <laughs> you, this is amazing. That's the only part of that whole string you remember. What? $500 in free stuff? Okay. Yeah, that's all they heard. <laughs> hey, man, that, that's all any church planner that's worth exactly. his salt heard. <laughs> money? Yeah, man. Well, that, listen, I mean, you know Ed Stetzer and you know Lifeway. You know we really do love church planners. And I, me, people may not realize this. Lifeway is a nonprofit organization. We're not trying to – Well, at, with the, the way, at the rate you guys are going, you have to be nonprofit. Well, yeah, exactly. This is my point. Like, I mean, we have – you know, Lifeway doesn't get any funding from anyone else. We have to generate our own revenue. We sell product and we have to make enough off that to keep the doors open. But we're not trying – nobody's getting rich. Nobody's pockets are getting lined. We're trying to help resource and serve the church. It's Wow, that 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 train really—that guy hated you. That's all I'm saying. He did hate me. I live right next to a train track. I can tell. <laughs> Everybody can tell now. Everybody can tell. That's right. But uh, Pete, you know, Mike, it's been awesome having you on here. Pete always likes to end each interview with a solid question, probably the most important question we've asked all day. It's all it's right. definitely the question that everyone tunes in, and sometimes they'll actually skip the meat of the podcast just to hear the the answer to this one question so but, but they would have missed the free stuff they would have yeah, that's right so I'm i gotta put it the flag packet right now that's right i gotta <laughs> i gotta put it in the show notes yeah so exactly. uh I, so, I hope it's ed of course it is of course it is <laughs> who else would it be all right so here's the question micah all right if you were to get into a physical fist fight with ed stetzer who would win oh my gosh i would could <laughs> <laughs> and make sure you tell him I said that. Well, you, I promise hey, you, he's going to be ticked off about it. But I guarantee you, I'd win. I love it. Well, you're you're welcome to give any smack talk you want right now about how you do it, um, why you'd win. See, I, I mean, think he would grab the goatee. He, that that well, would be part listen, of it. Have you ever heard Ed talk about sports before? No. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Ed doesn't know the difference between a hockey puck and a field goal. I promise you. Ed is the most brilliant man I've ever spent any time around. He's basically the most gifted guy I've ever spent any time around. He knows everything about everything, unless it involves athletic competition. And uh, that's my role on the team. I get to smack talk and provide information about sports. And so, yes, I would thrash him. So in a way, I, I love it, man. So in a way, you're, you're not only like his right-hand dude, you're also kind of like his bodyguard. You know? Well, I don't know if I'm his bodyguard, but because uh, he'd let yeah. him fall. <laughs> yeah, go for it, man. No, <laughs> he, he 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 looks like he bruised like a peach, and uh, oh, I think you should tell him that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> say that to him. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, he might just bruise like a peach. He's a little softer than you. I mean, but you know, now, said that. You know, the dude did grow up on Long Island, so he's probably a lot scrappier than we're all giving him credit for. Probably, and he's big. He, he seems big. Dude. He's a big guy, man. He could, uh, he probably could hold his own. I probably should back that up a little bit. <laughs> should hey, probably walk that back a little bit, you know. We, but we might, I, we I, might I, just have started something in the office. I don't know. I could, I could. Make sure you tell him about it. <laughs> I dig it, man. Well, he I listens every week to this podcast. I'm sure. You know, we're, we're actually we're the ones that give him all the ideas for all of his videos and yes. his next talks. Yes. So. Keeps trolling my website, stealing my ideas. I've meant to be, you know having a talk with him about it. Yeah, you should do that. 
Yeah, yep, yeah exactly. It's uh, plagiarism. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, Micah, man, That's it has cool. been awesome having you on here. Thanks for smack talking with the best of them. No, and thanks. You guys. Yeah. Hey, and thanks for your ministry, man. Thank you for your service in Bikini Faso. And uh, it's an incredible place. And, uh, you know, uh, that is an incredible ministry that was truly hardcore. And uh, we appreciate um, and I, I think we're all getting ready to appreciate even more the ministry of LifeWay Research. And uh, thanks, guys, for supporting and loving on church planners. And thanks for being on the show. Ah, thank you, guys. You guys rock. Have a good afternoon. You too. All right, Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planting has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.